Acts. How are you doing, everyone? Please turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Acts, chapter 24. That'll be our anchoring scripture for today. Um, if you are new here, well, I want to welcome everyone, but a special welcome to you. Uh, if you are new here, I want to add my welcome to the welcome you've already received. My name is Mbonisi, and uh, I lead the team of pastors, the team of elders here at One Tribe. And it's just great to have you here. And um, we are in week five of a series titled Nairobi Yangu, My Nairobi. And we've been looking at um, the brokenness and the blessing that is the city of Nairobi. We've spoken about tribalism, sexual immorality, uh, addictions you just heard about, um, uh, and dead religion. And uh, over previous weeks, and those messages are, av are available online. And this week, we're going to be talking about corruption. And uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to have some fun. We're going to um, look at the brokenness um, that is corruption in our world. Uh, and in the city of Nairobi, then we're going to look, about how, look at how we can bring blessing into that brokenness. And so I'm going to pray for us. God, we thank you that you are so present amongst us. God, we thank you that you are the light of the world. And thank you that you have called us in you, the light of the world. And God, it's our prayer that as we open your word that you'd open our eyes to see amazing things in your law, Old Testament and New Testament. And God, we pray that your light would shine in our hearts afresh. And we pray that through our hearts and through what you do today, light would shine into this great city of Nairobi. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, the light of the world. And everyone said... We're talking about corruption. When I, um, we've been living in Nairobi for eight years, and um, in those eight years, we've had a lot of interactions with corruption in Nairobi. How many of you have encountered corruption in Nairobi thus far? My first interaction with the uh, Kenyan police was actually very positive. I was uh, working at the hospital. I work at a hospital when I'm not doing church stuff. And driving back from the hospital, uh, my tattoo hit into me. The police showed up, and uh, Officer Jackie is her name. She brought such calm, such order, such justice into the situation. Uh, she was sharp. She could see what was going on. She took stories, got the evidence. Uh, it was just a really, really positive experience. Subsequent experiences, not so much. And uh, I think we've all uh, been driving along or in a matatu, and as you look, you see the police have stopped another matatu, and you see the police officer walk up, and they must be friends with the matatu drivers because they shake hands, and then they smile, and then they wave them on. And I think we live in such a loving, wonderful city of Nairobi. And if you are in Nairobi, you, you, you have to come up with some sort of strategy to deal with corruption on the road. You'll be seeing in stats we bring a little bit later that the average Kenyan pays 16 bribes a month. You have to have a strategy. For some of you, as you get into the car, you might think, I'll have 200, 300 shillings cash, just in case. Others of you, and these are stories I've heard, I'm trying to give you some tips to handle the corruption. 
one of the leaders in our church, they, they, they drive around with, with water. So when the police officer says, I, can you just give me something for a drink? They say, here's a bottle of water for you. Someone else, their strategy is to pray for people. And so when the police officer stops and says, what about you say, I don't have any money, but can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? That's their strategy. We've all dealt with corruption. The scriptures have much to say about corruption. Here's a great story from the book of Acts chapter 24. The Bible says several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. I want to introduce you to Marcus Antonius Felix. Okay, I need some help here. Let's have uh, Will, can you come up here? With your wife, please. This is Felix. He is married to Drusilla. Okay. Uh, Drusilla, um, this is her second husband. Her first husband, Bruno. Coming up quickly if you're called up because uh, we want to maximize on time. No, 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 not his husband, her husband. <laughs> while, she, while she was a teenager, so in the story that we read, she's in her late teens now, but she was married to uh, a king of some other country. And um, Marcus Antonius Felix managed to convince this teenage girl to leave her current husband and come and be with him. <laughs> you can sit down, Bruno. You have no further part in this story. And then um, Felix has a brother, Joe. And his brother is called Pallas. It's a very cool name. And Pallas is well-connected. One of his friends is the Roman emperor, Claudius. Sean, come on up. <laughs> and so... Felix's brother, Pallas, spoke to Emperor Claudius and his people to get Felix the job as governor of Judea, which is where he is in our story. Does that make sense? I just want you to have some context because for me, it just makes it so much more interesting. Give our cast a hand as they sit down. That's the story so far. Felix and Drusilla... Drusilla was Jewish. She was actually part of Herod's household. Felix sends for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. So what's happened is uh, um, Paul wants to get to Rome. He wants to preach the gospel in Rome. But God is getting him there in a funny way because he started off in Jerusalem. He's arrested in Jerusalem and people actually want to kill him in Jerusalem. So he's taken to Caesarea for safekeeping. Uh, and he's kept under custody there. And under custody there, that's where he's interacting with Felix and Drusilla. And Paul speaks about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, 
Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. His friends called him Porky. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. I just wanted to root ourselves in this biblical story. I just find that there's just so much life and texture to the biblical narrative. And we're going to draw out some principles. So we've got this idea. You can see the corruption in Felix's life. He wants a bribe, how he got his job, what he does at the end of his job, why he makes the decisions that he makes. He's, he's a case study, if you like, in corruption. And we're going to draw out some principles from the book of Proverbs and a couple of other places. But I want us to talk about the brokenness of corruption, and I want to talk about, in the last bit of our message, how we bring blessing into the brokenness. The brokenness of corruption is complex. Corruption, it's, it's a complex idea. One of the reasons it's so complex is because sometimes, well, some of you have had this experience, you're just interacting with people in authority and they're saying, you've got to go here, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, hey, and then you've got to pay this over here. And you, you, and you find yourself wondering, you're outside the building now and you say, what just happened in there? In between, in the break, I don't think they'll mind me sharing, but one person was sharing that they were in a police station getting an affidavit. And all of a sudden, this police officer starts asking for something to drink and then gets, he gets right into her personal space and all of a sudden it's like just give you something and just get out of there. Now, I wouldn't call that a bribe at all but I'm just trying to illustrate there's this complexity of you can be kind of like things happen so fast what just happened? We were in the Kilimani uh, traffic court um, after not paying a bribe and the number of times people are saying you've got to get and if you pay this oh, 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 and if you're not careful before you know it you're caught up in this web it's complex. What is corruption? I'll give you a definition in just a moment. But we saw how uh, Felix only got his job not because he was a just and righteous ruler, top of the class, no, 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 because of his brother who knew someone, etc. I had a coin drop moment when I was uh, in Malawi talking to a, a young Asian gentleman in his 20s. A medical student, so very educated, English, not a problem for him at all. Three of us in the conversation, and uh, the other two of us, we were talking, we said, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there's the issue of nepotism. This young Asian guy in his 20s, educated, medical school. He says, he says nepotism, what's that? And we're like, you, you, know, you must not have heard, because everyone knows. We talk about nepotism.
Yes. That said, the developed world has zero moral authority to look at Africa and say, how can you be so corrupt? Because there is corruption in London. Can I tell you about it? Have you heard of Boris Johnson? Corruption. Have you heard of Nicola Sturgeon? Corruption. We just haven't caught her yet, but it's on the way. <laughs> Have you heard of Donald Trump? Corruption. Have you heard of Joseph Biden? Corruption. Have I offended everyone equally so far? If you're feeling unoffended, keep on going. It's not like there's corrupt nations and uncorrupt nations. No, 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 no. There's you know, the, the Republicans, the Labour. The, the, no, 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 no. The human heart is corrupt. And that's why what happens here and the opening up of this, script, this scripture is so important because there's only one group of people on the earth who steward the only message that has the capacity to transform the human heart. And that's the church of God. And part of that complexity, part of that cutting through our hearts is that if we, if we, if we look inside our hearts, we'll find that corruption, it's not just complex, but if, if we're honest, corruption is actually convenient. It's convenient because our hearts have a tendency towards greed. Proverbs 15, the greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. If we're honest, we love the power that having a bit of money can give us. You know, you can make this problem go away for 200 shillings. Proverbs 17 verse 8 says, A bribe is seen as a charm by the one who gives it. They think success will come at every turn. What's the problem? No, no, no problem. We'll, we'll make it go away. Proverbs 17 23. The wicked accept bribes in secret to pervert the course of justice. Why is it so pervasive in Kenyan culture? Because as Kenyans, as humans... We'd love to be able to control justice a little bit, especially when it's not going our way. Yeah, I was going over the speed limit, but we can make this go away. Proverbs 18, verse 16, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the gate, of, of, of the great. You've heard stories of politicians. I've heard stories of politicians. The decision makers in this nation, if you want to see them, you should go, to, go you, you must not go empty-handed. In fact, even to see them, to discuss giving them a bribe, you have to pay money first to see them to discuss the bribe. And it's a set amount, you know what it is. It's convenient, and because of that, it's a pervasive factor in our culture. Our culture, Kenyan culture, the, the, the Bible the Bible says about itself that, that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's like a double-edged sword. And it understands us better than we understand ourselves sometimes. Like Micah chapter, chapter 3, it's like, 
It's, it, it, it's like an examination of Nairobi today. It says her leaders judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for a price. And her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. That's a picture of Kenyan culture. The leaders judge for a bribe. Boniface Mwangi, activist, he said this in Kenya, you are guilty until proven rich. Why would you hire a lawyer? No, you, you buy the judge. 22nd July 2019, Kenya's finance minister, Henry Rotich, became the country's first sitting minister to be arrested for corruption, a whole sitting minister. If you rank all the countries in the world according to one index, where 180 is the worst and one is the best, Kenya comes in at 123 out of 180 countries for corruption. It's pervasive in our culture, it's pervasive in our youth. Wanjira Mathai, the daughter of the activist, uh, she reported on some surveys in a TEDx talk and she said that according to one study, 58% of young people in Kenya will do anything to make money. She also reported that 45% of young people said corruption is a legitimate tool for doing business. Half of young people say yes to do business. You need an Excel spreadsheet and you need corruption. They just go together. 73% would not be willing to stand up for what they believe in for fear of retribution when it comes to corruption. And the cost of this is massive. Some have estimated Kenya loses a third of her national budget to corruption each year. Leads to poor economic growth, poor governance, poor provision of services. And here's why this is so important. Isaiah 123 says this, your rulers are rebels. Sound familiar? Partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They don't defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case doesn't even come before them. This is why corruption is an issue. It's because it disadvantages the poor. And when you and I are driving along and we give a bribe just because we haven't got time to go to court tomorrow because I'm a busy and important man or woman, we're participating in that system. That means the next person who hasn't got enough shillings to feed their family that evening is stopped by the same officer who wants another bribe because we're just part of this machinery that is saying, this is how we roll in Nairobi. Exodus 23 verse 8 says, don't accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see, and it twists the words of the innocent. 
Ecclesiastes, extortion turns a wise person into a fool and a bribe, it corrupts the heart. When you give a bribe, when you receive a bribe, something's happening at a heart level. There's a transaction that's taking place beyond just money. Proverbs 29 verse 4 says, By justice a king gives a country stability, but those who are greedy for bribes tear it down. Kenyan brothers and sisters, I've spoken to you and I have said, this politician is corrupt. How can you vote for this politician? Do you know the answer I get back? They are all corrupt. At least this one is corrupt and is doing something for our people or for the nation. But they're all corrupt. Those who accept bribes don't build nations. They tear down nations. And that's why the church needs to be part of the answer, part of bringing blessing into brokenness. Church, we can be part of the answer. We can shine light into the darkness. As we do, The Bible says, Psalm 15, verse 5, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken. You want to get some never be shakenness into your life? Make a decision today. Never going to accept a bribe, never going to give a bribe. You want a nation that's unshakable. It's a nation that makes that choice. Psalm 17, verse 4, Though people try to bribe me, I have kept myself from the ways of the violent through what your lips have commanded. You're wondering, but it's just so tough in the workplace. How am I even going to survive in this way? It's just expected that I'll either receive bribes or take bribes. The secrets there, the psalmist says, it's in what the lips of the Lord have commanded. When we become a people of the word, when his word is the first thing in our hearts every morning and the last thing in our minds every night, when we meditate on it, the scriptures say, day and night. It makes us robust in the face of corruption. The greedy bring ruin to their, to their households but the one who hates bribes will live. Proverbs 29 verse 4, by justice a king gives a country stability, but those who are greedy for bribes tear it down. We can do this, team. We can do this. Often in the midst of sermon preparation, often a song will come to mind. And because um, I'm getting old now, some of the songs go way back. But there's a song by a guy called Noel Richards. And he's a doc- God, he, he, he talks about warfare. And the song, it's, it's called, I think it's called Warrior. The opening line says, our God is a warrior. We will march him in. Our God is a warrior leading us to win. And friends, when we gather on Sunday mornings... 
there's warfare taking place. There's light pushing back darkness. There are things at stake. And when we leave here, the warfare doesn't stop. As we go through our lives day by day, there's warfare taking place. And when that police officer stops you, when that person says, I can do this for you, but you've got to do something for me, that is warfare taking place. And this song, I think the words are still up on on my screen over here. I just found this. It just captures the heart of this. It says, waken the warrior spirit. Army of God, arise. Challenging the powers of darkness. There must be no compromise. We shall attack their strongholds. Our hands are trained for war. We shall advance the kingdom. For the victory belongs to God. That's what happens when we stare corruption in the face and we say, thus far and no more. Four tools that will help us do that, then we're going to worship together. Number one, live before a righteous judge. Paul carried this in him as he stood before Felix. Felix said, just give me a little bit of money. Paul, you'll go free and you can plant churches and heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom to your heart's content. Just give me a bit of money. But Paul preached to Felix until his heart was struck with fear. He preached to him about righteousness and self-control and about a judgment to come. Paul stood there, maybe in chains, we don't know, and said to him, Felix... Today, you are sitting in judgment of me. But one day, you and I will stand before a greater judge and you'll be the one being investigated. Are you ready for that day, Felix? Were you righteous in your dealings with Drusilla, that teenage girl? Were you righteous in the way you got your job? Are you righteous in the way you're conducting your affairs? Because one day, friends, we will stand before a righteous judge, believers and not yet believe, or unbelievers. We're going to stand before what the Bible calls the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, and give an account for every deed done in the flesh, whether good or bad. Someone said the role of parenting and pastoring is to prepare family and church for Judgment Day. We can teach this to our children. Guy walked up to a cinema, had two kids. Ticket guy says, well, it's this price for those under seven and this price for those over seven. How old are your kids? Father says, well, this one's eight and this one's six. Ticket guy says, well, but, you know, it's fine. I have to charge you, you know, a higher price for the eight-year-old. If you had just said to me that they were both six, I wouldn't have known. This father says to him, yes, you wouldn't have known, but they would have known. Do you understand that? We can raise up a generation that's waging war on corruption. Live before a righteous judge. Live before an audience of one. The second thing is live inside a bigger story. The Bible tells the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau comes home famished one day. Says, Jacob, give me that stew. Jacob says to him, I'll give you the stew, if you, this bean stew of all stews. 
I'll give you this bean stew if you'll give me your birthright. Do you know what Esau says? I'm about to die of hunger. What good is a birthright to me? Just give me that stew. The scripture says it. Esau, for a single meal, sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And it goes on to say, afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. He was living inside a tiny story. I'm hungry right now. But there was a bigger story at play, and he missed out on that. I know what it's like, friends, when you're looking at that police officer and you think, I can make all this go away, or I can have to go to court tomorrow and spend the whole day sitting, doing nothing. It's a bowl of stew. Some of you are facing decisions in the workplace maybe this week. Everyone else is willing to pay bribes for this tender except me. If we are not willing to pay a bribe for this tender, there is zero chance of us getting this tender. And if we don't get the tender, then A, B, and C will happen. There's a bigger story than A, B, and C. We can live inside a bigger story. We can live for a higher calling. I love the story of uh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, uh, founder of Apple Computers. And there was a time in the history of Apple, in the early days of Apple, when he wanted to take Apple from being a good company to a great company. And to do that, he needed the right leadership on board to make that transition. He set his sights on a man called Scully. He worked for Pepsi-Cola. He got an evening together with Scully and he wined and dined him, cast a vision for the future. But he was experienced enough to know that Scully just wasn't buying it. So he didn't give up after supper. He took him up to the top of a block of apartments overlooking Central Park in New York. And again, he cast a vision. And he could tell, man, this, is, this guy, this guy he, he, he's not going to go for it. And then history tells us that his last ditch attempt, Steve Jobs looked this Pepsi-Cola executive in the eye by the name of Scully, and he said to him, Scully, do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life, or do you want a chance to change the world? And Scully says that that sentence knocked the wind out of him. He left Pepsi to join Apple, and the rest is history. Friends, too many of us are settling for selling sugared water. Getting up today. Why are you getting up today? To go and make another shilling. You got to hustle to make it in Nairobi. Yeah, you do. But there's a higher calling. 
And that's living for a kingdom that brings light into the darkest places. To believe God for the transformation of a society through the gospel so that the very systems that we live with don't oppress the poor, but lift up the poor and uphold justice. That's why we're here. That's why as a church we're not content to say we just want to see souls saved and into heaven. No, no, no. We want to see souls saved so that because of that, marriages look different and parenting feels different and relationships are radically different. And the way we are in the workplace, what we do with our money, whether we give, it's radically different. Because we're living for a high calling and we're living the last thing. We can live like Jesus is better. I hope something will stir in your heart around not participating in a broken system. I hope something will stir in your heart around resisting bribery and corruption in all of its forms so that the poor are no longer disadvantaged. I hope something will stir in your heart to resist corruption with every fiber of our beings because it's the right thing to do. But ultimately, I hope that something will stir in your heart because you realize that every time that we say no to corruption, we are demonstrating visibly to the person asking for the bribe to the people watching this story and there are always more people watching than you realize. We're demonstrating to the next generation that there is something better than escaping Kilimani Law Court. There is something better than getting that tender that's going to turn my business around or rescue it. There is something better and His name is Jesus. Jesus.